Welcome to Directions in Rashi, a podcast that will help you understand individual comments from Rashi throughout the Chumash, and that will also introduce you to some of the general principles which I feel uh, directed Rashi in his creation of his commentary, and that will help us to understand his commentary better all around. Unlike some of the other great commentators on the Torah, such as Ranban, Ibn Ezra, Rabbi Ovadia Sephorno, Rashi, by contrast, did not write an introduction to his commentary, and he never in any formal, organized way tells us exactly what were the principles and the guiding rules that guided him in his composition of his commentary. That is left to the readers. That is left to those who have studied his commentary over the generations to try to reconstruct what were the quote-unquote rules that guided Rashi in creating his commentary. One rule, however, Rashi does say very clearly, and that is in Sefer Shemois, Perak Lamed Gimel, Pasig Yud Gimel, Rashi says the following, Vanili Ashev HaMikroois, I have come to resolve, to explain the Psukim, Al-Sidrom, Bossi. I have come to explain the Psukim, Al-Sidrom, according to their order. Now this can be explained in two ways. I think both are true. The simple and most basic application of this, this principle is that Rashi always looks to explain a Pasuk according to the order in which it occurs in the Torah, meaning according to the context in which it occurs. That is certainly included in Rashi's statement. But I think there's another point, and this point has been made by the Lubavitcher Rebbe and others, that when there are two or more psukim that speak about the same topic, but there are some contradictions or perhaps just some small differences between the way the two psukim address the topic, Rashi will generally not comment on this difficulty when he is explaining the first of the two psukim. For example, if there is a pasuk in Parshas Bracious, which discusses a certain topic and expresses it in a certain way, the fact that there is another pasuk in Sefer Bamidbar that says something different about it, so when Rashi is explaining the Pusik in Bracious, he will not even take note of the fact that the Pusik in Bamidbar discusses the same Pusik differently. He will wait until the second Pusik. And this is quite logical when you think about it. When you read the first Pusik, well, there's no problem. What do I care if there's some other Pusik somewhere that says something a little bit different? As long as I understand this Pusik, good enough for me. When I come to the later Pusik and I see that Pusik number two doesn't say quite exactly what Pusik number one says, it's perhaps even contradicting it, so then there is an issue which needs to be addressed. And in fact, that is where Rashi will usually address the, the issue. For example, we have an example from the Parsha of a couple of weeks ago, from Parsha's but we'll start actually with a Pusik in Bamidbar. And Bamidbar, Perik Dalit, Pusik, beginning with Pusik Aleph, Hashem speaks to Moshe and Aaron 
And he tells them that they are to pick out the members of the Bnei Kahos, of the clan within the Levium, the children of Kahos. Levi had three sons, uh, Gershon, Kahos, and Merori. And here they are to identify the children of Kahos and to appoint them to certain tasks in the conduct and in the uh, packing up and in the construction of the Mishkan. And so he tells them, Nosai Esreish b'nei Kahos mitoich b'nei Levi, count the, the heads of the children of Kahos from amongst the children of Levi, the Mishpachay Sam, the Vesavay Sam, to their families, to the houses of their fathers. In other words, it is a paternal lineage in this case. And now the Pasuk says, Mi ben shleshim shana You should count those children of Kahas from 30 years of age and up, v'yad ben chamishim shana, up to 50 years of age, kol whoever comes literally to the army or to the congregation, v'asais to do work and service in the tent of meeting. So you are to identify and count those children of Kahos who are of the appropriate age to serve in the Mishkan. Rashi here explains that uh, up until 30 years of age, a man's strength is not complete. Once he has already hit 50 years, his strength begins to diminish. And therefore, the ages, the age range was from 30 to 50. The fact that there is another Pasuk somewhere, which seems to contradict this one, Rashi acts as if he is oblivious. He makes no comment on it. I am sure that Rashi knew it. But on this Pasuk, he makes no comment. The Pasuk says that the working years of a Ben Levi were from 30 to 50, and he just leaves it alone. However, when we come... We read as follows. This will be the law of the Levium. From 25 years old and up, a Levi will come to form the part of the group in the service of the oil moyed. And from 50 years old, Yoshuv Mitzvah Avaidah, then he will return from the army of service, and he will not serve anymore. Now, this contradicts the first Pasuk. The Pasuk in Parashas Bemidbar said, Alevi began working and serving at age 30. Here in Parashas Baloischa, it says that Alevi began working and serving at age 25. Now remember, on the Pasuk in Bemidbar, Rashi really had no comment as far as this contradiction was concerned. What it said is good and true. If there's a contradiction to it somewhere else, we can deal with it later. Here in Parshas Baaloischa, where it says, where there seems to be a contradiction, it says that the Levi begins his service at age 25. Here, Rashi wakes up. 
The Pasuk says, Miben Chamesh Ve'esrim, from the age of 25, says Rashi, Uvumakam Acher, in another place, Oimer, the Pasuk says, Miben Shleishim Shana. It says the Levi starts to work from 30 years old. That's our Pasuk in Bamidbar. So Rashi says, Ha'keit Sad. How is this? How could this be? Miben Chafhei Bo'alil Moid Hilchas From the age of 25, he comes to learn the laws of the service. He begins a a training period. And he learns for five years. And when he is 30 years old, then he begins actually to serve. So here we have a very clear and simple example of Rashi's method that when he comes to a Pasuk, he explains the Pasuk as it is. The fact that there may be a contradiction to it in some later Pasuk, does not generally concern him. When he comes to the later Pasuk, which seems to contradict the earlier Pasuk, there Rashi resolves it. He is miyashev al-sidram. He resolves the Psukim and explains them according to the order in which they appear in the Torah. Let us now take our investigation of this rule a little bit further. There are places where there is Pusik number one addresses a certain topic, Pusik number two, much later in the Torah, addresses the same topic but with some change or contradiction. And in fact, Rashi comments on both of them. He makes a comment about Pusik number one, he makes a comment about Pusik number two. And nonetheless, I think I have found that in most cases, perhaps all, there, is, there are significant differences between Rashi's comment on Pasuk number one as compared to Pasuk number two. And if we look carefully at the differences, we will see that in Pasuk number one, he is really commenting just on that Pasuk itself without getting involved in the apparent contradiction from Pasuk number two. But in Pasuk number two, he is con- uh, considering and trying to resolve the contradiction. Let us take an example from this week's Parsha, Parsha's Chukas. Parsha's Chukas tells us of a sad incident in the history of Kalal Yisrael, Perek Chaf, Pasuk Chaf Tes. And it says, Vayiru Kola Eida Ki Gova Aharoin. The entire congregation saw that Aaron had expired. He had died. And they cried for Aaron for 30 days. The entire house of Israel. The entire nation of Israel. Now, I am sure that somewhere in the back of this virtual classroom, someone is raising his or her hand and saying, wait a minute, wait a minute. I know about this Pasuk. I know that uh, Rashi points out that uh, when they mourned for Aaron, everybody mourned. Kol Beis Yisrael, both the men and the women. But when they mourned later on for the uh, death of Moshe Rabbeinu, only the men mourned, not the women. And you're right. But let's see what Rashi says. Rashi says, Kol Beis Yisrael, 
Those are his, that is his Dibur HaMaschal. Those are his starting words. Those are the words from the Pasuk that he quotes. And as we have mentioned before, those are always very important because Rashi's comment addresses something about those words. So Kol Beis Yisrael says Rashi HaAnoshim VeHanoshim. The men and the women, they all cried when Aaron died. Lefi Shehoya Aharon Redev Shalom. Because Aaron was a Redev Shalom, someone who pursued peace. He did, he made great efforts to bring peace between people. Umetil Ahavo, Ben Bali Mariva, Uven Ishla Ishtai. And he placed love, he generated love between people who were quarreling and between man and wife. Now, you'll notice that there is no mention here in Rashi about the death of Moshe and the mourning that was done for Moshe. If we look again at that Dibur HaMaschil, Rashi focuses on the words Kol Beis Yisrael. So his question seems to be, why does the Pasuk emphasize that Kol Beis Yisrael mourned, that it was the entire nation that was mourning? And I think we can add on. In fact, it is somewhat superfluous to say that, because if we look at the beginning of the Pasuk, it says, Vayiru kol ki gava The entire nation, kol ha'eda, saw that Aaron had expired. So we know already that we're talking about the entire nation and not just some particular fraction of the nation. So Rashi's focus is on kol beis Yisrael, what is the meaning of this phrase, that everyone mourned for Aaron? And he says it means not only the men, but the women as well, because Aaron made peace between husbands and wives. No mention here at all of the fact that there's a Pasuk about Moshe Rabbeinu, which is a little bit different. Rashi is commenting on this Pasuk in Parshas Pukas. Let us now go to the Pasuk about... Moshe Rabbeinu. Almost at the very end of the Torah, we read, Moshe was 120 years old at the time of his death, etc. Pasuk Ches, and the Bnei Yisrael cried for Moshe, in the plains of Mayav, Shloishim Yom, for 30 days. Vayitimu Yemei Vechi Evo Moshe, and then the days of crying for Moshe were over. Rashi, he says, B'nai Yisrael, the, the, literally the sons of Israel, Hazacharim, this refers to the males amongst them, the men. Avo Ba'arain, but by Arain, because he pursued peace and he brought peace between a man and his fellow and between a woman and her husband, Nemar Kol Beis Yisrael. About Aaron it says, the entire Beis Yisrael cried. Zechorim unikevois, both the males and the females. Here, in Parshas Zaysa here Rashi does seem to be focusing on the difference between the 30-day mourning period for Aaron, which is mentioned in Parshish Chukas, 
and the 30-day mourning period for Moshe, which is described here in Parshish Vezaisa Brocha. Because here we are at, at what I call the Mikra Mu'uchar. We are at the later Pasuk. And this is where the difference or the contradiction between the two Psukim becomes obvious. And Rashi explains, Why by Aaron did everyone cry? And yet by Moshe, here we see, that not everyone cried, only the men cried, and Rashi gives his very famous reason. So here is an example where although Rashi comments even on the first Pasuk of the pair, but his comment on the first Pasuk was entirely about the first Pasuk. He was really not concerned with the later Pasuk that seems contradictory. When he's explaining a first Pasuk, he explains it, to his satisfaction, he makes sure that you can understand it and that it is correct and sensible. The fact that somewhere else it says something different is not his, not his job. When he came to the second Pasuk in Parshish of Zaysa where the, the difference between the mourning for Aaron and the mourning for Moshe becomes so obvious, so there Rashi addresses the two uh, the two mourning periods and explains why there was this difference between them. Let us conclude with the words of Shlomo HaMelech in the book of Mishlei, Yishma Chacham V'Yosef Lekach. Let the wise man hear and he will add on his own lessons. I uh, guarantee, and I don't often guarantee things, but I guarantee that if you will pay careful attention to Rashi's comments and pay careful attention to his placement of his comments, to carefully look at where, upon which Pusik uh, out of a pair of psukim, Rashi makes his comment, you will see in general that he does make his comments generally on the second Pusik of the pair, because that is where the contradiction or the difference between the two psukim becomes obvious and becomes necessary to comment on. And you will also find that when Rashi comments on both of a pair of psukim, you will almost always find that there is some important difference between the two comments. And that is because Rashi, in fact, is still adhering to his rule of addressing the difference between the two psukim only when he comes to the second pasuk. There are, of course, some exceptions to this rule. There are some places where there are two seemingly contradictory psukim, and Rashi makes his comment on the first pasuk. But in general, if you look hard enough, you will find that really there was something in that first pasuk that was bothering Rashi, and that he is resolving by dealing with the contradiction. Perhaps in a future shear, we will deal with an example of that sort. Thank you for listening to Directions in Rashi with Yochanan Joseph, author of the book Directions in Rashi, available from Feldheim Publications. Production aspects were carried out by Minagain Music. Visit them online by going to facebook.com slash